Oh, this picture. <laughs> I, this was taken on our way home from the Sini Wildlife Refuge, one of our trips up there. And we took a we took a detour. One of my shortcuts. Yeah, one of your shortcuts that made the trip much longer. <laughs> we ended up further down the road than we thought we were going to. It was just a different area that we needed to discover. It was fun, but it was no shortcut. Welcome to the Winnie and Bill Chat Podcast. This is episode 32, May and June. We are counting down to 2021 by reviewing this past year. Today, we are talking about May and June. Hi, I'm Winnie and that was Bill. We have a little photography business called Quiet Shutter Photography and uh the way we like to do our podcast is we will post nine of our photographs on our Instagram account, Quiet Shutter Photo, and then we'll go through the pictures and talk about what went into that picture or the story behind the picture. And uh, you can look up the pictures on Instagram or Facebook and fo either follow along or check them out after you've listened to our podcast. Before we get going, though, we need to thank who, Bill? Anchor podcasting platform. Anchor is a free podcast platform that you can access either on the web or through a smartphone or through your smartphone on an app. It's a free podcast platform and uh, you can make a podcast for free. If you've got something to say or you just like to talk, if we can do it, you can do it. So thanks, Anchor. Thank you, Anchor. So, Bill, today, well, last week we ended, uh, we talked a lot about March because we took a wonderful vacation in March to uh, Arizona and Utah. And uh, then we said April kind of was a sucky month and we didn't have very many pictures from April. April in northern Michigan is sometimes a big disappointment. And uh, um, so today... May and June get into a little bit more interesting things that happen to photograph. And yeah. we're always very excited when May comes around, aren't we? Yes, because things in Northern Michigan start to green up and things come back to life, it seems like. So there's a lot of things to get out and get some pictures of. And, and just uh, as my mom used to say, blow the stink off yourself. <laughs> um, in Northern Michigan, the winters are long. And the days are short, meaning that it's dark in the morning and it's only light for a few hours and it's dark by five o'clock in the evening. And the days are often very cloudy. So there's not a lot of light and there's not a lot of color. And um, I mean, as a photographer, you can find anything to photograph if you try hard enough. But they, uh, they tend to, you know, after five months of it, you tend to start getting a little depressed. So when the sun starts coming out and things start greening up, you get pretty excited. And often Bill and I go out, head out in May and take pictures of the same subject matter every year. But every year we try to find a little different angle, use a different uh, lens, maybe a little different technique and try to take pictures. Um, you know, we try to be creative. And like, you, like Bill just said, blow the stink off. Yeah, get outdoors. So I'm always pretty excited by May. 
Yes. So let's go to our first picture of the day. Oh, Bill, why don't you describe this picture? I just pulled it up big and it's even better when you pull it up big. <laughs> so this is a picture of a monarch butterfly caterpillar that we uh, came across. And it is on the leaf of a milkweed plant, which is their main diet. And um, the, uh, the colors of the monarch butterfly caterpillar are pretty impressive. Uh, yellows and white and black. And uh, in this picture, there's a, a pretty good sized hole that he has eaten um, through the plant. And we actually just caught the light kind of backlighting the plant and the, the um, caterpillar itself was um, getting highlighted by the light coming through the hole in the plant. So it's, it was kind of a cool little cat, catch. So um, I think that I may have our, my pictures mixed up all together today. I think that the, the monarch caterpillars start to emerge in June. Um, I just checked the metadata on this on this picture file, and it, this picture is one from June. But um, I believe that this monarch caterpillar was in the Sini Wildlife Refuge. Um, the Sini yes. Wildlife Refuge is in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, and um, we go there often. If you listen to our podcast, you've heard us talk about it often. And uh, we were driving through, and all of a sudden, Bill slammed on his brakes. And started to get out of the car. And I said, what are you doing? I and saw going, something. Yeah. Even driving the car and driving down the road, he spotted this monarch caterpillar, which probably was, this picture is taken very close up, probably on a macro setting. Um, it probably was about an inch long, right, Bill? Do you, yeah. Do you yeah. remember? Inch, inch and a half. We shot this with our our uh, lens that we call Kevin. It's Kevin. A, it's got a macro setting on it, and so we, you can get up quite close to it. We call the lens, We some of our lenses have names. If they're very special to us, they have names. And the lens that we call Kevin um, is named Kevin because we bought it used from our friend Kevin, who's another photographer. Um, and I, I'm just going to take a second away from the picture here to give a public service announcement. A lot of people... Uh, feel like they can't get into photography because it's so expensive and the equipment's so expensive or they can't move beyond what they have already because they can't spend the money that it takes to buy really good lenses. Buy used. Um, we've gotten a couple of lenses used that are great lenses and Kevin is a great example of that. It's one of our, one of our very favorite lenses and we bought it used and I believe Kevin bought it used before I believe so. he sold it to us. Yep. So, and it's a great lens. Um, so back to the caterpillar, you can see in this picture that the monarch caterpillars have little horns. Is that what you would call them? Antennae? Antennae, yeah. But they have them on the front and the back. So yep. it's, it's kind of hard to determine which is the front or which is the back. Yeah. And I honestly don't know what the meaning, probably the feel things is probably what they're there for or here. I don't know. I know they don't that, talk to me much. They speak really low and it's hard quiet. to, they mumble a lot. <laughs> they mumble and they're always chewing. Yeah. I'm always <laughs> saying, what, what'd you say? Um, I've read that monarchs, because they eat milkweed, the leaves off the milkweed plant, they are poisonous to birds. Uh -huh. 
And so therefore that gives them a little protection. Birds, I don't know whether they just learn fast or somehow they instinctively know that they don't want to eat that caterpillar. You know, there's something, and I'm not sure the rules, but there is some rules of color and stripes and stuff on different insects and snakes and that kind of stuff. Do you think the birds know the rules? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. If yellow touches black, you better step back. Step back. (laughs) I don't think the birds. Or you'll be a dead jack. I don't don't think the birds follow those rules. Well, maybe. Maybe not. In the Sini Wildlife Refuge this year, there was also those ugly tent worms, you know, that that have that big web tent and yes. then they all hatch out and yes. it's so disgusting. The yes. birds could eat those all day long as far as I'm concerned. And the pretty little white moths that come out from them, those are tent worms. Kill them. Kill them. <laughs> We're not Buddhists, are we? <laughs> nope. So uh, we've been fascinated or I've been fascinated with monarch caterpillars, monarch butterflies, the whole thing, probably since I was a little kid. But when our kids were little, we there was a field not far from our home that was loaded with milkweed and i would take the kids over there and we would find monarch caterpillars and then we would put them in terrariums and we would feed them fresh uh, milkweed every day until they um started to hang and and then spin themselves into a cocoon and then we would wait patiently for the time i can't can't remember now how many days it takes for them to emerge as a butterfly and it was it was great um, nature lesson and um, everything for the kids, but it was just magical. I loved it as much as they did. So I've always been fascinated with these monarch caterpillars. And do we dare tell the story about this? No, <laughs> no. We'll just leave it as a really nice caterpillar caterpillar picture that we took. All right. There's an unfortunate story that goes along this, so that we won't mention it this time. If you do take a caterpillar and put it in a terrarium to raise it into a monarch, you must be attentive. Yes. If you're gonna if you're gonna step in and, and disrupt Mother Nature, you better be good at it. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah. Let's move on to our next picture. All right. Oh, this next picture is not as beautiful as that monarch caterpillar. No. So this next picture is a picture of um, the drive in the Upper Peninsula going. This was taken one of the days we were driving up to the Sini Wildlife Refuge. And what you can see in this picture is the highway. And I believe we pulled over to the side of the road and I took this picture looking back. Yes, um, because we saw this image in our rearview mirror and we went, what's on fire? Well, we drove through it and we kept seeing this too. Um, every while, every little while, every few miles while you were driving up US 2, you would see ahead of you this dark cloud and it looked like something was on fire. It looked like smoke. Right. You know, something, something is on fire for sure. And there's some black smoke up there. But as you got closer and then when you drove through it, you realized it was clouds of black flies. Yeah. It was just nasty black flies coming up. This was in May. Yeah, this was in May. Black fly season is pretty much the month of May in the UP. So, this, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was, the insects are less than desirable. Although the seagulls are going mad. They were having The seagulls were going crazy. You have to see this picture. And if you can look at it on your 
computer where you can look at it a little bit bigger than on your smartphone, it'll give you the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, yeah, the black flies are just swarm that. And if you've had ever had an encounter, we've talked about black flies before on our podcast, but it's hard to get away from them. We, years ago, we bought, um, mosquito net jackets. So more than just a net that goes over your head, we bought the full on jackets. So it's a mesh, a fine, fine mesh jacket that you can put on that covers your arms and your hands and you can zipper it all the way up. So your whole head is covered with this mesh. You could, you can breathe, but mosquitoes aren't supposed to penetrate through it. But sometimes black flies do. Yeah, they can get into anything. And there's nothing worse than being all zipped up into a mosquito jacket and have a black fly on the inside. Yeah, on the wrong side. Buzzing then, around you. Yeah. And they bite and they don't, you don't know that you've been bitten, but the reaction you get from a black fly bite is worse than a mosquito bite. Yeah, some people are are a, a, almost allergic to them, it seems like, because you can get some really big welts from them. Yeah. And perhaps people eventually build up a little bit of an immunity to them, you know, because adults don't react as badly as children. Right. I remember our son, Andy, when he was a little boy. Do you remember this, Bill? He got bit on his ear yeah. by a black fly. Yeah. Now, both of our kids have elf ears. They They're do. cute as anything, but they don't lay flat against their heads. Our kids' ears stick out just a little bit yeah unfortunately andy got bit by probably two or three black flies right on the bottom of his earlobe and, and it his, swelled his up. his whole ear swelled up like so the size big. of a golf ball it was so and he looked so being painful. a little boy i had his hair cut nice and short yeah and um it, it was so swollen that when he, he was about three or four years old yeah it jiggled yeah when he walked it would jiggle it was so swollen yeah. And it was red and it was hot, fevered like, and poor little guy. But there was no getting away from it. You could tell if we were in a public place, people were looking at him. <laughs> yeah. Poor thing. So, yeah. 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 That's, that's so me in was, the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. This was crazy. It was beautiful out, but. Yeah, you beautiful, know. sunny, blue sky day. Except for that black cloud. You know, it, that's the thing about May is that we pine away all winter long waiting for uh, spring to come and we're so anxious to get outside and then you get outside and you're chased away by the black flies. Yeah. Yeah. Luckily here where we live on Lake Charlevoix, Charlie boy, the black flies aren't too bad here. No, you know, if you find a place and I think this is probably the thing here is that there's always a little breeze off the lake and I think they just tend to stay away from the, the, the air movement as much as yeah um so we're fortunate here yeah. on on the lake's edge that uh, we don't get a whole lot of insects and there isn't us. in spite of being on the edge of the lake it's not too wet an area and of course no. we maintain the property so we blow leaves every fall and so there's not a lot of damp opportunities for big there's swarms no of yeah there's no stagnant water or anything where yeah. it would grow mosquitoes and black flies and things like that. Just so. a little reminder that sometimes when you think next month will be better, you know, appreciate what you yeah. have when you have it. Sometimes April could be better than May <laughs> when the black flies come out. All 
All right. Let's move on to our next picture. This picture, I'm going to check and see if I can figure out the whether it was May, June, May or June. I'm guessing June is when I this think one this was one was, was a June picture. So this is a photo. I love this photo. Yeah. And I'm not. I'm not 100% sure that we haven't featured this on previous podcasts. Uh, maybe on the podcast we did about uh, Point LaBarge um, on the Straits of Mackinac. Could be. But um, this is a picture of a an adult sandhill crane and its little baby. Hmm, what are the babies called? Colt. Colt. I always want to call them trunks, and I have no yeah. idea where I got that in I my head. I don't know where Colt comes from either, but that is the name of them. They call yeah. them Colts. So this, the, we had seen the pair of parent sandhill cranes in a swampier area, and we saw that they had um, two babies with them, but we could never get a photo of them that particular time we saw them. You're, you're, no, they were shorter than the grass. They yeah. were, we yeah. were trying to take pictures and we'd got a few pictures, but none of them turned out because they were all blurry. Yeah. The camera wanted to focus on the grass in front of it right. or whatever. It was tricky. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we were happy when we happened to come upon the parents with the in little a, guy out in some open area, open area where yeah. we could get some pictures of them. Yeah. And the, this was a interesting, we pulled up, we were just, we stayed in our car. We were on the side of the road. And um, what I assume was the male Sandhill um, kind of stood closer to us and he kind of stood at attention and really paid attention to us. He, he fed a little bit, but he was really paying close attention yeah, to what we were doing. He was definitely on guard. And the mom and the little baby kept foraging around in the grass and the mom would get five or 10 feet away from the baby and then the baby would scurry up yep. to be close to the mom and the mom would get a worm out of the ground and feed the baby. And yeah, I love this picture. Yeah, it was, it was cute. Cool to watch the whole thing too. So. Um. Yeah. And from the car, we were able to get a pretty good close up. Uh, you can even see little, I don't know if those are little bugs in the air or little bits of feathers flying off of the. It's insects. It's insects. Yeah. More of those. Yeah. I remember black there flies. was. <laughs> There was a, no, I think it was actually like a stone fly. There was a hatch of some kind going on there and it wasn't, it wasn't mosquitoes and it wasn't black flies. So, yeah, but there's a lot of insects right on that, uh, right on the Straits of Mackinac there. And that's, that's oh, absolutely. It is very marshy in that area. Right. Yeah. That, this was cool. This was really cool. Yeah. Another, another really cool little moment in time that we caught. Yeah. I could have sat in the car and watched these guys for as long as they would have tolerated us, but. We moved on and let them have their peace. Yep. So our next picture. And this one could be either May or June. This one was taken at the Sini Wildlife Refuge, and it's a picture of a loon. But the loon is doing something kind of, uh, I think, unusual. Yeah, he's literally got its head straight back uh, almost to its tail feathers. And he was doing a yoga move, I think. He had his <laughs> neck completely stretched out backwards. And Are you stretching your neck out as you're telling me this story? I was trying to, yeah. <laughs> I could tell. Yeah, but I can't stretch my neck as far as this guy was I doing. know, his neck is stretched out so far, and he's laying his head on his back. And then his beak is like on a 45-degree angle. And we actually caught some droplets of water 
that are suspended in the air in this picture that are coming off of his beak. Yeah. Like you said, a, a, a fraction of a moment in time, because yeah. I think what this guy was doing was he was preening. Yeah. And I think he had dipped his head in the water and then just sort of stretched back to wipe his head or, oh, look, I'm moving my head like as if I'm <laughs> trying to do it too. Anyways. And so, yeah, he flung a little bit of water backwards. But he's definitely bent over in some kind of a special yoga It's move. like he was using his black back for a towel. Yeah. And you can see in this picture, too, there's a kind of a bright green spot. Uh, and that's actually a tag on the loon's yeah, foot. I was just going to say that. Many of the loons at the Senior Wildlife, Re Wildlife Refuge return year after year. And um, they tag as many as they can and keep track of you know, how many years they've been there. Um, sometimes um, they get reports back from other places where they've been seen and identified by their tag. So this guy, I think this guy had a tag on both legs. If I remember right, he did. He had, he had one on both feet. If we um, were more astute at watching the loons at Sini, we could probably tell you exactly which loon he was and how old he was and how many successful clutches of babies they they've had but uh we're yeah. not we're not we don't sometimes pay. you get too much information yeah yeah sometimes you can be too focused yeah but uh this was a neat moment in time i love the loons the coloring black and white coloring and then their their heads are almost iridescent in the sunshine and those blood red eyes yeah we've talked about loons before but yeah yeah so that's another reason that we look forward to may and june is getting out and finding finding the loons and if you can hang around and and just, you know, be quiet in the evening when the loons start to call to each other and make sounds. Yeah, um, well, know, it's just like this time of year, May and June, when they're starting to nest, uh, they quite often will call to each other. Um, just, I think, probably part of the whole courting. Yes, absolutely. I think it's part of the courting process. Yeah. So, but there's nothing better on a calm spring night when the sun is setting and and it just feels good to be outside and to hear those iconic loon sounds over the water. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty special. Very special. Very special. So let's move on to our next picture. All right. So the next picture is um, a rare photo of me. I don't usually let many photos of me get past the editing process. <laughs> but um, this is a picture of me taking a picture. And uh, so Bill must have taken this picture. Yeah. Do you want to talk about This is a picture of uh, Winnie taking a picture of a big snapping turtle. Um, also, probably at Senior Also, I, yeah, it, if not there on another little road, was nearby. But um, in May and June, um, the snapping turtles are also laying their eggs. So they move from one pond to the other or from one ditch to the other. And if you're lucky, you can catch them on the road sometimes. And they are crazy, crazy um, ancient looking historians. You know, prehistoric uh, little animals that uh, little dinosaurs. Yeah, little dinosaurs, and they're, we enjoy taking pictures of them. So turtles 
um, hibernate in the down in the muck. And um, a lot of times when they come out of hibernation first thing in the spring, they bring with them uh, a layer or a chunk of muck on their backs. Yeah. And you can see in this picture, this guy must have been emerged pretty recently because he's got a pretty good glop of mud on his back. Yeah, if I remember right, if this is the turtle I'm thinking of, he had it was almost like a pile of mud and leaves and sediment that was exactly, exactly was right on top of its back that he hadn't bothered to hadn't been out in the water and swum around enough for it to come off. Yet, exactly. It makes me wonder if he didn't just come up and was crossing the road to get back into the water. It could be. I've seen them. I've seen pictures, other people's pictures of big old snapping turtles that will have a, you know, um, some dirt on the back that even has growing stuff coming yeah, out of it. it could, you know? Yeah. Some moss and little pieces of grass it's, growing. Out it's of it. their camouflage. They, yeah, they exactly. meant to do that. But you're right. Once they start getting in the water and swimming around and stuff, all that washes off. Yep. And their um, shells even. Um, oh, what's the word for it? They like a snake sheds they a shed, skin. They shed the shell. Yeah. They don't shed the whole not the whole shell. thing but a layer of it yeah it sort of fluffs off and yeah. sloughs yeah. off i'm not sure what the right word is there but slowly it, peels off right and it regenerates itself because it's got to accommodate you know it's got to grow yeah along with the turtle so yeah i we're fascinated by the turtles all turtles but the snapping turtles they're kind of dangerous they can be dangerous yep, they're ornery that's yeah, for he, sure this picture is a little deceiving because it looks like i'm super super like almost on top of this turtle yeah i took a picture of you with the big lens so i was a ways away and it kind of compresses everything to make it right a, look a, like it's closer than it actually was right a big um zoom lens will tend to make things look like they're closer together than they really are like if you were to take a photo of a line of fence posts with a long zoom lens like our 150 to 600 millimeter lens you had it all the way to 600 and you took a picture of those fence posts, they would look like they were placed in the together. ground one foot apart from right. each other instead of 10 feet apart from each other. So um, it's a little bit deceiving. I was fairly close to this turtle. Like I was being, I was being careful because a snapping turtle could snap at you. So I was, uh, I was being cautious, but I was not nearly as close as it looks in the picture, but it makes for a good picture. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They can move when you when they want to move too. They another one of those animals that seems so lethargic. But if uh, you rub them the wrong way, they will come at you. They're fascinating to look at. Their tails are barbed, aren't they? Kind yeah, of. Yeah, they got like little thorns on them. They're yeah, their tails look like what you would think a dinosaur or a dragon's tail might look like. Yeah. Here. I debated on this to post either this picture of me taking the picture or the picture that I took that showed him with his neck stretched out and his eyes and his mouth and yeah but um yeah we'll have to feature that in another episode sometime sure we'll do an episode about dinosaurs because <laughs> <laughs> we see so many modern day dinosaurs there's a few of them around there are yeah yeah i think another th another one i would put in the in the category of modern day dinosaurs would be pileated woodpeckers oh yeah they're yeah. like a big raptor yeah they certainly, um, there's a lot of pileated woodpeckers around here where we live and they, they make a sound like what you would think was a, 
prehistoric sound. Yeah. Prehistoric sound. Yeah, that's kind yeah. of crazy. You're right. There are. And then there's, you know, maybe your dad is a modern day dinosaur. He doesn't touch a computer ever. Well, that would burn his soul. <laughs> you got to know the rules of life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So let's go to the next picture, Winnie. Oh, this picture. <laughs> I, this was taken on our way home from the Sini Wildlife Refuge, one of our trips up there. And we took a we took a detour. One of my shortcuts. Yeah, one of your shortcuts that made the trip much longer. <laughs> we ended up further down the road than we thought we were going to. It was just a different area that we needed to discover. Well, it was fun, but it was no shortcut. In any case, do you want to talk about what this picture is? So this picture is a woodchuck on top of a fence post. So when I was growing up, um, I would have called this a gopher, but I would have been wrong. Right. Because a gopher actually looks more like a chipmunk. chipmunk. They're a little longer than a chipmunk and their markings are a little bit different. They're like the size of a red squirrel with the markings of a chipmunk. Right. Only the chipmunks are spotted and gophers have stripes. And you know why I think I was messed up about what a gopher was? I think it goes back to Winnie the Pooh. Wasn't <laughs> Tigger. Wasn't there a gopher in Winnie the Pooh? They called him Gopher. I think so. And he looked like a woodchuck. Yeah. Didn't look like a chipmunk. Yeah. Maybe an English gopher is a woodchuck. Who knows? Yeah, there seems to be some confusion. But in any case, this is a woodchuck. And a woodchuck is an animal that's about the size of a beaver. Yeah, they also call them groundhogs. Okay. Yeah. But it's a woodchuck. What we call a woodchuck. So they're furry. They kind of have a little beaver face, right? Yeah, they're, yeah. And I don't think they're in the beaver family or beaver. They're, well, they might be, be in the a, rodent family, yeah, I would assume. They're probably all in the rodent family. He's got a little stubby tail. Yep. I'm going to blow this up a little bit because I want to see his. He's got um, his little paws. He's got, they're like fingers, right? They're little claws. Yeah, they've got pretty good sh they're not webbed or anything. No, no, but they're definitely uh, got some claws. They do a lot of digging. They dig some big old holes. I'm sure farmers, we saw this on, obviously, on a fence post on the edge of a farmer's field. Yep. You can see in the picture, there's a little bit of barbed wire. Yeah. Two strands of barbed wire, really old rusty strand and a newer strand. Yeah. But he scurried up this post with no problem, evidently. He was just sprawled out on top of this post. I mean, it's like himself. he was hanging on it on it off of his belly. Yeah. Yeah. You and he can was see. supporting himself on the top of the post on his belly. Yep. Look at the little ears, too. Yeah. Little funny monkey ears. Yep. They're adorable, but I'm sure they're mean. I bet they're mean. Well, if they're cornered, they can be mean. Yeah. Have you ever had an encounter with a woodchuck? Yeah. You can come up on them sometimes in the. When, Back when I used to work for my neighbor doing Christmas tree farms, you would find these woodchuck holes in the Christmas trees a lot because they grow in sand. And and uh, these uh, woodchucks would burrow their holes. Wait a minute. The woodchuck grows in sand like a flower? No, Christmas trees grow oh, in I sandy see. Okay. soil. <laughs> All right. Stick with the story, Winnie. <laughs> okay. No, you don't. There's no such thing as a woodchuck seed. Okay. <laughs> 
They, but they live in mummies. sandy soil that they can dig. They yeah, can they tend in. to burrow in sandy soil a lot. And uh, yeah, what do they eat? Just plants. They don't eat bugs and things. No, or? they're. I think they're pretty much all Herbivore? just herbivores. Yeah, just plants. So they probably would really wreak havoc on a farm field. Yeah. Well, they they dig holes and they they call them ankle busters because you just be mm-hmm. walking around and in, in a hay field and all of a sudden you step in their hole and you break your leg. Hmm. So they're they're a nuisance. Yeah, and it to me it seems like it's I'm they must be very common, but it's not very common to see one like that. You typically see them in the spring a lot. Yeah. Well, this was spring, so Yeah. 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 So yeah, we were driving along on a highway fast and we spotted him and we stopped and we put it in reverse. And it was one of those. Did we just see what we yeah. thought we saw? And uh, threw the, the camera out. The, we didn't throw the camera out the window, but pointed it out the window, snapped a couple pictures before he took off. Yes. And uh, we got a good one. Yep. The cute one of the woodchuck. Yep. Do you ever go out to the barn when you're growing up and find a woodchuck chucking wood? That's a myth, Winnie. Oh, woodchucks don't you. really chuck wood. If a woodchuck could chuck wood, a woodchuck would not chuck wood. Oh, uh, you know what? As you're, as I'm listening to those words, a woodchuck really can't chuck wood. But if he could chuck wood, he would chuck wood. He would, if he could. But they don't. But they don't, so he won't. <laughs> oh, Bill, go to the next picture. All righty. This is something we try to do uh, every year. Yep. We try to time it right to get down to uh, the Traverse City area, take a drive to see the cherry and apple orchards in bloom. And are the trees in this picture cherries or apples? Uh, I believe they're cherries. I'm trying to remember. I remember where these were, but I can't I think they were all just cherry orchards on both sides of the road because this scene of this picture was repeated on both sides of the road for quite a little ways when we came upon this place. So I believe they're all, this is kind of older cherry trees. This is, um, in the picture, there's blue sky, but it's got nice big billowy white clouds in it. Um, Some nice big green trees in the background of the orchard. But then the orchard's in the foreground, and it's rows and rows of cherry trees. I believe they're cherry trees. They're just starting to blossom, So they're white. Yep. And it just is a pretty, very pretty picture. Pastoral, if you will. Yes. This was, uh, trying to think, was this down past Frankfurt where we actually found these? We were south of Traverse City. Yeah, this wasn't in Traverse City proper, but that whole Traverse City region has got just one orchard after another of either apple or cherry primarily, but they do grow some peaches and a few other things there too. But these were cherry trees you were looking at. I, that day. I highly recommend a trip to Traverse City in the spring. Definitely. Northern Michigan in May and June, probably late May getting into June is an ideal time because yes. things, these things are starting to bloom and, um, it's comfortable temperatures during the day by then too, you know. I mean, for us, it's comfortable. Maybe someone who's used to Florida temperatures might not like cool spring. Florida temperatures are never comfortable. <laughs> Anyways, the orchards are blooming and um, 
the Traverse City area has all that whole side of the state there has a lot of orchards. But the Traverse City area, the Old Mission Peninsula and the Leelanau Peninsula, a lot of the farmers are starting to convert their cherry orchards into vineyards. Yes. So there's vineyards. And in more recent times, you're starting to see hop farms popping up all over. Right. So it's in, if you're into that kind of stuff in Traverse City, you can, a lot of the hotels will offer um, guided tours of the, from one vineyard to the next for tasting, to go to their tasting rooms. They'll take you in their hotel owned van. Or there's also industrious uh, entrepreneur people who have started businesses where they've bought a, uh, a couple of vans and they do that same process. Do you? Yeah, there's, there's, we've never done that. Quite a but, few guided tours for not just the hotels, but individuals that do that as well. Yeah. yeah. We, um, for our photography business, Bill and I have often met with um, small business coaches um, and the local score people. And uh, they sometimes will offer group workshops. I guess that's what you would say, Bill. Yes. Yeah. We were, We've been to one group workshop and a few individual meets with them as well. And the one time we went to the group event, there was a fellow there who was starting a wine tour business. And uh, we didn't think his business plan sounded good at all. But then probably a year later, we saw him at a business pitch night. And the pitch night was fun to watch because it was different. Um, different entrepreneurial people who were trying to get small businesses off the ground and they were pitching to an audience and a panel of judges. And then whoever won was, would get um, some money towards their business. It was fascinating. And the gentleman with the wine tour thing was one of the men present, one of the people presenting right. the, at the pitch night. And by that time he was already having some success. He'd had a couple of vans already in operation and, he was pitching to get a couple more. Yep. He was trying to expand the business. And he was expanding from wine tours to also craft beer tours. Yeah. And the hop farms. Yeah. So basically the idea is being a designated driver. Exactly. And uh, giving people a history of of the area. And, and um, yeah. Yeah. So it was fascinating. Fascinating anyways. business plan anyways. Yeah. So. If you're into that kind of thing, Traverse City is uh, kind of a lovely place to go. Yeah. Beautiful views of Lake Michigan and cool spring breezes. Yeah. Uh, this is December as we're heading into the winter. I haven't seen sun in seven days. So yeah. I just want to dive. reminds me of the nice part. Of I just want to dive into this picture. <laughs> so let's move on to our next picture. So this is uh this happens at at the exact same time as the orchards blooming. Um northern Michigan has uh wild trilliums that grow in the woods all over northern Michigan and in some areas the trilliums and trilliums are a three-petaled white flower with um some big wide green leaves underneath them and they just blanket the floor of the forest in areas and um, I, they're just beautiful. They're big. The flowers are the size of a circumference of a, a softball. Yep. Is that what you would yeah, say? Probably the large ones get as much as 
four or five inches wide. Yeah. So when you get a big cluster of them, it's pretty spectacular. And I love trilliums. So we always, every year, we go out and take pictures of the trilliums. I don't know whether people who see things we post on Instagram think, oh boy, more trillium pictures. But we try every year to get a little different angle, a little different something, but we just love them so much and we're so excited to see them that we'll go make a special trip to photograph trilliums every single year. Like a Yeah, the trick with these is lighting because quite often they they like to grow in kind of shade. shady areas. So um yeah, when you can catch some with a little light on them, it's kind of a special moment. Yeah. This was a nice little clump of them. They were almost starting to fade. You can see that the leaves in the um, some of these flowers are starting to just start to darken up a little bit. Yeah, get yep. some spoiled spots in the uh, underneath the trilliums. In this picture is a blanket of myrtle, which is a ground cover cover that has little purple flowers. You can see those little purple flowers. Yep. This was just pretty, really pretty. It's a nice little scenic spot yeah. we caught one day. Yeah. We actually will drive for hours to take pictures of trilliums because there is a special spot way up in the UP near Munising that oddly, and I don't know why they're there or how this happened, but it's a little untamed piece of woods that has trillium, big, nice white trillium, but it also has red trillium, pink trillium. And yellow trillium. Yes. And they all grow in this little section of woods that's, we, we go, we, how many years have we gone up there to find oh, the Four color? or five years in a row now. And we get lost every time. Yeah. And we just, we know where it is, but then we, oh, do we turn down this dirt road and then take the next dirt road or? We find them. We, we just, find them. We even. have the general area where they're at. It's and usually just, we find them when we get like really frustrated and angry with each other. And we pull over to the side of the road and, oh my goodness, there they are. <laughs> it's so funny. But um, this past spring, we did go up and we did get pictures of the red trillium, but it was an off year for them. I don't know whether there yeah, was. There wasn't very many of them. And it happened to be a really kind of red or wet, dreary day. So um... it often is a, a little bit raining when we get up to the UP and which isn't necessarily a bad day to take pictures of flowers. You got soft light instead of really harsh, yeah, bold sunlight beaming in. But um, and it's cool to get the pictures of the flowers with the little beaded up water on them when it's. But if it's pouring rain, you don't want to be right rolling around on the ground and those those uh, particular versions of those li lilies or trilliums. we call them trillium lilies, but they're just trillium. I don't think they're a lily at all, but uh, I think they're really temperature sensitive. So if they got a, if we got a late uh, frost or something, it might've killed them off in their first coming up too. Right. So. And in the UP of Michigan, that's, that's that a real deal. A that probably happens yeah. a lot. Yeah. But um, yeah. So, and that's like three hours from home. Yep. So it's a, a whole day event when we do that. A field trip. It's a field trip. But um, I love doing it. I love to spend the day with that. We're going to go find the red trillium. We're going to eat at a mom and pop UP restaurant. Find a pasty. Find a pasty. We'll probably get wet laying in the ground trying to get a picture of a trillium up close. Yep. Because we forgot to bring something to lay down on. We generally try to keep um, 
another photography tip. Keep a, a piece of plastic in your trunk of your car. Just a, maybe even an old uh, vinyl tablecloth or just something that you can lay down on, kneel down on, you know, so you don't, I don't mind getting dirty, but I don't like getting all wet. Yeah. But well, the tablecloth is nice and it'll keep you dry. But um, I know I've used a garbage bag before, but you tend to slip around on them too. When right. You're doing that. Right. So. Yeah. And where the trillium grow, they're so prolific that you don't want to step on one. Right. So you've got to be very careful to strategically put your little piece of plastic down and kneel down on it or whatever without. Without ruining the other plants around exactly. it too. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Also, trillium are one of those plants that need to, the flower needs to fade and feed back down to its roots and its bulb um, in order for it to come back. So when people pick these flowers, first of all, they don't last long when they're picked. You know, if you were to pick a bunch of them and it's so tempting because they're so pretty and put them in a jar, they wouldn't even last an hour. They would no, just they droop fade away. really fast. Yeah. So, so we've been told. Yeah. I, we, when we lived in Sheboygan, before we moved over to Boyne City, we had trillium that grew around our house. We had some acreage and we had a lot of trillium that grew there, which yeah. I loved. Yeah. Um, and one time your nieces, when they were little girls, came down and were picking the trilliums and, oh, I scolded them, which was bad on me. But um, they never forgot it. Evidently, I forgot it. But then as adults, they said to me, Remember that time that you yelled at us so much for picking trillions in your yard? Mean old <laughs> I lady. I was such a meanie. I didn't think I came across that way, but evidently they were sensitive. Scarred. <laughs> I, I feel bad now as an adult. I think I tried to explain to them that they won't grow back if you pick them, and they must have thought I was being mean. But anyways, don't pick the trilliums. <laughs> right. So. Enough about trilliums. Well, I, is this our last picture? I Yes. I love this picture. This is our last picture. I posted a picture in this series of me. So I, I, you gotta, I had to post a picture of you, Bill. This is when I had found these special glasses. <laughs> this is a picture of Bill. Um, I think we were at the uh, cherry orchard and Bill yeah. picked a couple of flowers off of uh, dandelion plants. And held them up to his eyeballs. And I snapped a picture. But it's a very sunny, happy picture. Don't you think? Yeah. I love You've got to see the picture. It'll make you smile. I was, uh, I said to you, hey, I'm sick of seeing these, uh, all these cherry blossoms. And then you turn around and look at me. I had to put those up to my eyes. <laughs> I love this picture. So... We like to end our podcast by talking about the picture we missed, the picture that got away, the picture we didn't, uh, we didn't get. So have you thought of one for May or June? Something that happened in the spring that we didn't get pictures of? Um, well, one of the ones that I, I remember, and I think it was just a matter of we never got a picture that was really worth developing at all but i uh, remember when we were off we were uh near saint ignis and there was a uh, an eagle in a tree that was uh being harassed by a a uh, red, red winged blackbird yes and at one point this ginormous eagle is sitting in a tree 
and Red Winged Blackbird landed on a branch right directly above the eagle's head. It was like a head ornament on the eagle, and we, there was so much brush around it, we couldn't get a good picture of it. We but did try. Was, I think Andy, our son, was with us that day. Yep. And he had the best angle for getting a picture, and he took a lot of pictures of that. But you're right. We didn't, we didn't capture the exact moment we wanted to. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was the one I was thinking of anyways. I wish we would have got a picture of that woodchuck chucking wood. <laughs> Maybe we'll have to stack some wood up and see if he'll move it for us. I think we would have if he could have. He certainly would if he could. <laughs> So thanks for joining us today as we uh, anticipate 2021, a year we hope will be better than 2020. But honestly, looking back at 2020, we had our moments. We had our good times. Yeah. Yeah. We had to. You got to look on the bright side. Find the bright side of things. That's for sure. So um, next week we will talk about July and August, that the best of summer. Yes. My favorite two months, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was a different summer for us. So we'll talk about that next week. Um, please tune in. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in together today and uh, hope you have a great rest of your week. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.